0: This is the Mosaic Church podcast. Mosaic Church is committed to making disciples that discover Christ, connect in Christian community, and serve others and the world. This uh, message has really been on my heart. I'd like for us to uh, pay attention if we can. And uh, it's about resilience. And uh, did God design you to be resilient? So I'm asking you a question, it's not rhetorical. Do you think God designed you to be resilient? Absolutely. I remember one day, and Rhea knows this story very well, I was, I was with, uh, this, uh, at that time, my uh, campus ministry staff, Rhea and Jeremy, and uh, we were at a minister's event, and I saw my friend Jeremy, who's on my staff, he was maybe like 20, 30 yards ahead of us walking by, and one of the ministers said to me, you see that guy right there? And I said, who, Jeremy? He goes, yes, because that, that man's got tenacity. And I was like, hmm, what do, what do you mean by that? He goes, the guy would never stop calling me to raise support. That guy's got tenacity. So I thought that was a good thing. Uh, right here it says tenacity is defined as the quality or fact of being very determined, very determined or the quality or fact continuing to exist, and he was persistent. So that was a good thing when they said that Jeremy had tenacity. The word tenacity and persistent are very close cousins to the words that you see there, resilient, but they are not the same. One can be determined, but not resilient. One can be uh, very much persistent, but not necessarily resilient. However, you can't be resilient without being determined, and you can't be resilient without being persistent. And so Galatians chapter 6 says this, do not, verse 7, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. That, That is... That is a powerful verse. If you have capacity on your smartphone, you're writing notes, God uh, says in Galatians 6-7, it says about God, don't be fooled. You cannot mock God. And here's how you cannot mock God. If you, you reap what one sows, it says here, for whatever one sows, you will reap and let me just tell you, in verse 8, let me read on. For, one, for the one who sows his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. If, you, if you're sowing flesh, the fruit of it will be corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit, from the Spirit, will reap eternal life. So this is going to be our focus verse, number nine. And let us not grow weary of doing good. Let me repeat that. And let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season, we will reap if we do not give up, if we we continue to be resilient and tenacious and persistent. When I read this a few weeks ago, I kept thinking of our moms in our church. And I just want to say to you, do not grow weary of doing good, amen? Uh, Whether you have little toddlers, little kids, little infants, toddlers, uh, middle schoolers, high schoolers, let me encourage you, do not grow weary in doing good. One of the great things I like to do when I meet parents of people I know, and usually it doesn't matter what age, I I literally say thank you. Thank you for doing an awesome job. You know, so if I were to meet your parents, I would say that to them, because I know the job of a parent takes a lot of, a lot of um, persistency. You gotta be tenacious, and you have to be resilient. And so, when I get to meet, you know, Adam's dad, I know that Adam is an awesome guy. He didn't um, raise himself, he wasn't raised by wolves, He was raised by godly parents who were tenacious, who were persistent, and were resilient. It's it's not easy being a parent. And I just want to say, keep going and doing good. Amen? and, And we need to encourage one another. Keep going and doing good. Let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. If we do not give up. I saw some uh, young, uh, maybe older teens in, in LA and I just kept thinking about this verse and I'm like, you know, where did, the, where did it give up? Did the parents give up? And, and, and for those of you who are uh, parents of older kids, you know the, the challenge, you just wanna like throw your hands up. Uh, usually we have our Teen Challenge director here, Austin and Cassidy. And they are over a, a drug rehab, Christian drug rehab ministry. And I've been to their, uh, their campus, and you, you meet people who have uh, burnt a lot of bridges with their families. You know, some, some of these uh, people, these these men that are in the program have stolen from their parents, have stolen from their grandparents, and stolen from their brothers, and they, and they continue to kind of burn bridges. And, and I just wondered, and I asked Austin, how tough it must be not to give up on someone. But the Bible says, don't grow weary in doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. Resiliency being tenacious, persistent. Verse 10, so then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are in the household of faith. I believe in my heart that God wants all of us, not just some of us, to learn how to be resilient, to be better in the area of being resilient, amen? I know that I can learn and grow in that. People don't give up, amen? Now, typically, some of the challenges of uh, why we give up, and I just wanna go over some of the challenges, and these are what I would consider things that just drain our batteries from doing good. So here's number one. I, I, I say this, the hard consumption of battery life, of being insecure. Raise your hand if you're insecure. No, you won't, if you are, you won't. <laughs> I was, I'm raising both of my hands. Let me just tell you, when I look back, especially in my middle school years and high school years and college years, I mean, I was just an epitome of insecurity. And let me tell I realize and I look back in my life that when you're overwhelmed with insecurities, it just eats you up. It drains so much of your life, and I I call my life battery. It's like being uh, pulled by a leash like you do with pets. And I was drowning in the ocean of insecurity. I found this to be very funny. I, I went to my 20th high school reunion, or it could have been 30th, I can't remember. But I remember talking to my classmates that I was really poor in high school. And they looked at me like, what are you talking about? Like, yes. I mean, you never noticed I only had one pair of jeans? Like, no. Uh, you didn't notice I lived on golden sands? Like, never. And what it dawned on me is that everybody was so insecure and in thinking about their, themselves uh, that they didn't even think about me. And so, but I thought everybody was thinking about me, but they weren't, and so I, all this energy was being drained, I was, you know, I remember just washing my clothes every night and trying to dry them using an electric uh, heater in the room and, and using blow dryers to blow dry clothes and, and socks and all that because I was so insecure that I, I didn't want to somehow uh, look weird in, in high school. I was just so overwhelmed with insecurity. When I first met my wife, Robin, I was so insecure, incredibly jealous, incredibly jealous. I remember one time I could, uh, this may sound really weird and creepy, okay, but it, it, it isn't. <laughs> We had uh, dorms that were right next to each other. <laughs> this is gonna sound bad, but it, I don't know. <laughs> the more I think about it, it's like it's creepy, but it wasn't, okay? And so the end of my hallway, I was the RA of my hall, and the end of the hall, and I could, I could walk around while we had, we had uh, you had to be in your room at 11 at night, okay, and I was the hall monitor, and I remember going to the, <laughs> going to the end of the hall, and I could look out the window, and I can see Robin's dorm window, and, and I was looking in, <laughs> sounds creepy, I know, I'm embarrassed already, uh, and she was having fun. Her roommates, were, you could just see them laughing, and, and I remember just being overwhelmed with insecurity. How can she have fun without me? So I would call the hallway phone to get her to come out of the party so she would talk to me because I was so insecure. Now, when I share stories about my old life, I remember this one girl, her name was... Brittany, and she goes, Pastor Mari. every time I hear old stories about you, uh, we don't have little kids here, we do, but you were a jerk, and I'm like, yes, yes, I was, but man, when you're insecure, it just drains the batteries, it doesn't allow you to walk in the spirit, you're just constantly walking in flesh, and I'm not talking about like, you know, sinful things, but just constantly thinking of self. I shared a few months ago a month ago, about me being water baptized, because I, I was born with a deformed ear and I used to wear long hair, and, and I was just so insecure. I remember there's a picture, and somebody saw it recently. As I was coming out of the water, I was literally like this. You know, instead of people like you know, raising your hand and celebrating Jesus' victory in my life, I was covering the side of my head, just drained with insecurity. Why? Because my identity was not found in Christ. My identity was um, in how I presented myself. I joke around uh, when I play soccer, like I don't want to head the ball because I tell them this is how I make money. So we got to protect this. And so, uh, but I was so overwhelmed with insecurities, and what I realized is that being insecure eats so much of my emotional, mental energy, my spiritual energy. It gobbled up so much room that the Holy Spirit didn't have room to do his thing. And instead of pleasing the spirit, I was pleasing my insecure flesh. Anybody like that? You don't have to raise your hand. But constantly thinking uh, about oneself. And this is, these are things that'll drain the battery from doing good. It says, don't grow weary. And the things that make us weary are, are just consistently never really finding your identity in Christ. The second thing is worry. Now, um, this if you worry a lot, and uh, it'll drain your batteries. Uh, it's, it's a very close cousin to insecurity. But the hard task, it takes a lot of energy, a lot of spiritual energy to worry. It's a state of anxiety or uncertainty on actual or perceived problems. And that's the challenge. You know, God's grace is for those challenges that we have. The scripture doesn't say about your perceived challenges, but your actual challenges. Worry can gobble so much room in one spirit It keeps us from pleasing the Holy Spirit. Now I know this is recorded and I pray to God, my mom's not watching, but my mom was the queen of worrying. I remember I was in college and my mom is still with us and she's 85, 86 years old. I was in college at 20 years old calling her on the phone and I thought for sure she wasn't gonna make it. This is the mid-1980s because of the worry, and, the, and the, she was uh, constantly talking about her pains, and I just, oh, and it just gobbled so much of her life. It, it began to bleed over into my life, and I began to uh, worry about my mom. I thought, literally, I was not gonna be able to come home for, I'll come home for Christmas break, but I won't ever see her. And so, uh, it just gobbles up, and it just drains so much of our spiritual battery. And I, and I feel bad for my mom because it just gobbles up so much of her time. Even, even recently when I talked to her, she was just telling me about all the world's ills. You know, this is happening, and just worrying, and, and, and just worried about this and worried about that, and, and constantly lamenting about the problems. And I just, I remember talking to my mom and trying to gently and honoring her, because she needs to be honored. The Bible says to honor your mother and your father. Um, it's a gift that we all have to do. And I wanna honor and listening to her, but I'm, trying to, I'm not trying to correct her, but trying to encourage her mom. Think on good things. Think on the things that God has done in your life. Don't worry about what's going on. And it, just, it would just consume consume her life. Uh, third thing is drama. Now, I wonder if anybody recognizes that photo. If you do, it's because you're watching the TV show at night, okay. I just wanna see who's laughing. Uh, it's the bachelorette. Um, another draining, uh, battery draining to the spirit and attitudes that keeps us from being resilient is, is the hard taskmaster of, of drama. You know, I, uh, did you hear what they said, or did you hear what she said, or did you hear what he said? And did you notice that my family member didn't call me on, on my birthday? And all of a sudden, it's constant drama. Family can be a lot of drama, right? Yes. You know, every family has drama, but if you're not careful, you could get caught into the, the current of, of drama, and it can gobble up so much room in, in your spirit, and it keeps us from really pleasing the spirit. You know, I actually had one time someone say to me that they called me because they were upset because I didn't shake their hand on the way out uh, of church, and, uh, you know, kind of creating this drama about, you know, that somehow I didn't care about them. And again, so it can be so easily just gobbling up our time and, and our energy. And, and I pray that none of you are caught in that wake of, of drama, you know, that, you know, sometimes there's the, uh, the drama king or the drama queen. You, we don't want to be that. Years and years ago, and again, Rhea can attest to this, we had a worship team that uh, sadly, uh, behind closed doors, our, our staff team would call them the drama team. Always drama with the worship team. And so it was constant. So we call the, the worship team the drama team, and we call the drama team the worship team uh, because that's what they did. They just worship Jesus. So uh, you just had to be there to remember and, and appreciate it. So how to be resilient, that's the key for us I pray that 2022, that all of us grow in that capacity to be resilient. And the Bible tells us in verse seven of Galatians chapter six, it says right off the bat, God cannot be made a fool. What he says is true. If it's not true, guess who the fool is? God. If it's not true, God is the fool. But he cannot be made a fool. So the number one thing I wrote here as principle number one is that we reap what we sow. So if you sow the seeds of insecurity, well, what do you think you're gonna get out of this? Uh, you're gonna reap uh, the fruit of insecurities. And a lot of times, and we, if we're not careful, we could, uh, the fruit will express itself through our kids as well. You know, maybe some of you, and you know, Robin and I used to struggle with this a lot, Fighting right before church, you know, you're driving in the van, you're ticked, you know, you're angry at each other, and you come to church, you put on a smile. But, you know, eventually something has to give. It can't be like that every week. And so I'm praying that as you allow the Holy Spirit to plant these seeds of the fruit of the Spirit in your heart. So what we reap, we reap what we sow. We will reap the fruit of insecurities if we constantly uh, sow insecurities if you if you walk this if you plant the seeds of obedience and faith what do you think's going to happen the the fruit of walking in obedience and faith will begin to sprout the fruit of the spirit in galatians 5 says are love joy peace forbearance kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness and self-control these things are seeds that we need to plant how do you how do you love By loving. How do you have joy? Being joyful. How do you have peace? Walking in peace. You know, you don't get peace saying, God, just somehow drop it in my heart, uh, then I'm more peaceful. Uh, What you could do is just walk in in faith and peace. So it's important that we uh, know, number one, is that we reap what we sow. It takes faith to plant seeds. It takes faith to trust God in his timing. Uh, if you plant apple seeds, what are you going to get? You're going to get an apple tree. Uh, but you can only do so much. The rest you leave up to the Lord. You plant the seeds and you allow the Lord to, to water it and give it the sun that it needs. Let God do his part. Second thing is, this is hard for me, and I'm, and I'm being honest here, face the problem. Uh, so many times in my life, I didn't face problems. I, I, I avoided them. And, and if I really want to be all that God has want me to be, and if you want God to be all that he's designed you to be, which is resilient, we gotta face the problem. Don't magnify it. Don't make it bigger than it is. Don't minimize it. Don't make it smaller than it is. And don't personalize it, and that was my challenge. I, uh, I personalized a lot. You know, like I said to somebody, I just shared the story, I didn't say hello to someone, I didn't shake their hands, and they personalize it, like the pastor doesn't like me, he doesn't do this. It couldn't have been that, you know, he had to go to the bathroom, you know, and he had to run to the, to the bathroom, and he couldn't say hello to everybody. Uh, you know, somebody was out the door and he needed to catch them because he wanted to pray for them and he didn't have a chance, so we, we, this is the challenge that uh, principle number two is don't, don't personalize it. You know what? Um, a friend of mine, and not my son, uh, he's a teacher, and he talks about how he avoids the teacher's lounge, and I won't say which school, and he says there's a lot of grumbling, and I, and I wrote here, grumbling is like reliving an event with others. You know, it's like you gotta, you gotta stir it up and talk talk about others, and, and I've... Um, you know, sometimes a long time ago in our family that would happen, you know, our brother this and, and our, you know, my sister this and, and we just gotta just say, no, I, I'm not gonna participate that. Um, my ego always wants to blame others. You know, it's, it's them. They did this to me. Uh, that's the reason, they're the reason I didn't get the promotion. They're the reason, it's always blaming others. A long time ago, probably about 10 years ago, I learned to grow up and instead of saying, Lord, why me? Like, why did this happen to me? Uh, I remember when I didn't get my first youth pastor job. I was crushed. And I'm like, why me? I'm, I'm faithful. I do this and this and that. And, uh, and, and think of it, if we unfold that a little bit more, I realized in my own life, I don't, I try not to say that. I'm not saying I'm perfect at it. Would I try to change my language a little bit and say, why not me? Am I so special that I shouldn't have any problems? And by me not having problems, I'm basically saying, I don't should have any problems, but I understand if you do. You see how that, that reasoning unfolds? No, why, why n- not me? You know, why not me when, you know, my wife, uh, 15 years ago, we thought she had come down with uh, MS. You know, and and we could have lamented, and why us? But people get MS, you know that? And sometimes pastors get MS, and sometimes pastors' wives get MS. And so I learned to to stop saying, why me, and then change my my perspective and say, why not me? Well, everybody else is getting richer. Why not me? I changed my attitude I change my attitude and say, Lord, okay, I know I'm not making like they're making, and I understand that I'm struggling month to month, but I know I'm not exempt from struggling month to month. I try not to personalize it. The last thing I write here is isolating yourself. That's an an old enemy tactic. It's been around for decades, um, if not centuries, if not millennia. Divide and conquer, separate and conquer, separate and conquer. Um, you begin to isolate yourself because you, you, you think that maybe life is against you and, and you, don't, you don't want to be around people. And I, and I get that. I've been there. But I will tell you, if you come to Mosaic Church and you become like a regular tender, we will, um, we will text you to see how you're doing. We will call you to see how you're doing. Uh, we will not just allow you to isolate. Uh, we're not trying to control. We're not trying to somehow get you to come to a service so we can click off a, an attendance number. That's not our, our reasoning. We just want to make sure that you're not isolating yourself and uh, in, in, in getting in a position where you're not going to be able to grow in your resiliency. So you're not going to be able to separate without a fight from our church family. We're not going to force ourselves on you. We don't do that. But we're going we're gonna to text you. Hey, how's it going? We missed you. Is everything all right? Can we pray for you? And that's usually the process that we go through. Uh, I love this in Psalm 37. It says, uh, and I like to say this, rest in the Lord is frequently used expression in the Bible. When the psalmist says rest in the Lord and wait patiently on him, Psalm 37, 7, He's not talking about physical rest that involves taking a break from activities or relaxing or napping or stopping uh, the gathering it's just so you can get your strength. He's talking about something more profound, more effective. Rest in the Lord refers to spiritual rest from confusion, spiritual rest from worry and stress, a useless human effort, a break from The internal, external, and mortal and spiritual enemies. So when we say rest in the Lord, it's not so you can isolate it, so that you can find that spiritual rest that comes only in Jesus. All right, we got to keep moving. Third principles: train your thoughts. Philippians three thirteen. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do do: forgetting what's behind. I've said this multiple times, unforgiveness will force you to live in the dungeon of the past. I'm running out of time, but if you could just look me in the eyeballs for a second. My favorite professor would say that. He'd slap his hands. look me in the eyeballs. Uh, As believers in Jesus Christ, uh, there is this principle about forgiving. We've been forgiven so much, I know I have. Uh, God commands us to forgive one another. So that is a seed that we must be planting. Forgiveness. Now that's not the same that you have to act like nothing ever happened and you you got to be best friends. I'm not saying that. But just let it go. Give it to the Lord. You cannot, God will not be mocked, okay? We said that in the beginning. You cannot not walk in forgiveness. There might be people who have hurt you really bad and I've had people hurt me really bad. Give them to the Lord. Lord, I forgive them. And I don't even need to go to them and tell them they're forgiven. I give it to the Lord. Lord, just, I forgive them. I'm gonna move on in my life. I pray, I pray well for them. I had someone who, who uh, you know, a long time ago, I felt was totally disloyal to me, and it was hard. I mean, the flesh wanted, like, Lord, just rain, you know, volcano rocks on them. But I had to, had to control my mind. I had to control my emotions. And I said, Lord, bless them use them. They're made in the image of God. Lord, they they have value. Lord, I pray, even though they might have hurt me, Lord, I pray that you would use them for your glory, for your kingdom. Philippians 3.13, uh, one thing I do, forget what is behind. And then he says, and straining towards what is ahead. Press on toward the goal to win the prize for which Jesus has called me to heavenward in Christ Jesus for God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Second Corinthians, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Amen? I was in an Airbnb in San Francisco a few years ago and as I walked into the Airbnb, I realized I made a mistake. But I already paid for it, and if you do Airbnb, refunds are very hard. I was at a really okay house, but the room was in the basement, which, okay. So I walked down the steps of the basement, and then uh, I look around, it's kind of late, and I realize there's no windows. And then I realized the only exit is that stairwell I just came down. Okay, so I don't have a double exit. I can deal with that. And then I was laying in the bed, and I'm like, well, what if, you know, you start, your mind starts going crazy. Um, and then what happens, if there's a fire, where am I going to go? What happens if the fire starts in the stairwell? There's no windows. And I said, well, there's got to be a window in the bathroom. So I go in the bathroom and there's no windows. Man, it's a dungeon down there. And, um, and so the whole night, I literally had to take my thoughts captive and just bring them in into the submission of the Holy Spirit because I, I, I could see how fear... And I could see how my mind was going to go somewhere else. So I thought to myself, I'm never going to do that again. But I did book it for two nights. So I went up to San Francisco to visit some friends. And I had to spend the night again. I'm like, do I just spend, just forget it and just spend 150 bucks at a day's end? I'm like, no, no. Let me go back. And so I went back, which was crazy. And that night, I literally, all of a sudden, I could smell the, the vapors from the bathroom. Because there was nowhere for it to go. You know, you could just... It's just vapors from the sewer line. And and you could just smelling it. And I'm laying in bed and I'm just like and all of a sudden my back started to itch. And I thought, bed bugs. But the Lord helped me. Because I'm like, if it was bed bugs, why is only the left side of my back itching? You know, it would be like my back. And so the Lord helped me like take control of my thoughts. To bring, take every thought captive to obey Christ. And I fell asleep, thank the Lord, because he helped me. The last principle, I don't know if it is the last, it is. Yes. Control your emotions. I learned this the hard way. Here's the lesson I learned the hard way. I can control my emotions, but I cannot control the outcomes. For a long, long time, I really wanted to control the outcomes. Let me just say this again I can control my emotions, but I cannot control the outcomes. This is a personal story. My daughter doesn't know. I would share it. But there was a time where my daughter was going out to be with some friends in high school, and I would constantly say to her, uh, Don't forget you're a Solari. Uh, don't forget you're a Christian. And don't forget this. And then one day, she said something that changed my life. And it was pretty profound. I don't know if she knew it at the time. She goes, I feel like I think you're more concerned about how I represent you, you're more concerned how it reflects on you, and it's really not about me. And it was. You know, I'm the pastor. I don't, I don't, you know, I don't want my kids to be rebellious because it might reflect on me as the pastor at Mosaic Church. Um, I didn't want to uh, be embarrassed of any activities that she might do. You know, all those things that were just constantly, I was trying to, what I was trying to do, is control the outcome. I was kind of, I was trying to control her because how it reflected on me. And, it, and the Lord just basically smacked me in the face, gentle, like an Italian guy would, you know, just smack in the face. <laughs> Don't control the outcomes. You can't. You can only control what's happening in my heart, my mind, and my soul, and, and my attitude. God helped me to change. Control my emotions and leave the outcomes to him. So I changed what I said to her. I literally, the next day I, I would say something like, for your sake, sweetheart, make wise choices. For your sake, honey, be safe. For your sake, not on how you represent me. For, I didn't say that part, but I would always say, for your sake, for your sake, make wise choices. For your sake, I want you to live a, a, a beautiful, uh, healthy life, for your sake. And God helped me to let go of the outcomes. Have you ever tried, tried controlling your significant other? Yeah, me too. It doesn't work, does it? Uh, you know, uh, trying to pr- try to get your, your spouse to, to do exactly as you want, it doesn't, it doesn't work that way. But you can control you. You can, by the Holy Spirit, he can help you. God can give you the strength to control your own emotions. Uh, For those of you who've been around my my life, you've heard all my crazy wild stories as as a young married man and my anger issues. And one funny story, at least it's funny now, it wasn't at the time. I remember we were on North Monroe, near the interstate, Coming home from Walmart, I was so angry. Robin was driving. I literally just got out of the car, slammed the door, and started walking. <laughs> made her walk. And then it dawned, I was like, oh, I still live three miles away. So, uh, but my anger made me just get out, slam the door, and, and leave. And Robin left. <laughs> so, uh, I didn't think that went through. But it says here in Philippians 4, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. I'm going to ask Bryce to come on up. Uh, that last song, the second song that we sang, just I had no idea he was going to sing it. He didn't know I was going to preach this, but it just seems to really uh, work well together. First Corinthians, and we end with this, resilience and rejoice. First Corinthians 6.12 says, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. I will not be dominated by anything. I am not gonna be dominated by me not having control of my emotions. You know, I used to blame uh, my Latin heritage for my emotions. And the Lord says, that's not right. I used to blame, uh, you know, I'm not the tallest guy, like, you know, just trying to, trying to be something that I physically I'm not. And the Lord says, no, you can't blame your height for that. Um, can't blame my situation for that. I had to learn how to allow Jesus to dominate my life. So I'm asking you this morning, still this morning, which is good, so why don't you make a commitment with me that we're not gonna be dominated by anything but being led by our, our Father. That we're not gonna be dominated by anything other than bowing to our King. And we're not gonna be dominated by anything other than being led by the Holy Spirit. Matthew 11 says this, Jesus says this, come to me all who are weary and carry heavy burdens and I'm going to give you rest. That's what Jesus says. Take my yoke upon you. We're already carrying the yoke, so we got to take that one off. Trying to control everything and losing control and take on the yoke. It says my yoke upon you. Let me teach you. Because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Let's let's pray for a second. Let's bow our heads. And I'm going to ask you to respond by raising your hand uh, before we sing. And every eye's closed, even the bad members. You can say, Pastor Mario, I, I need to learn how to be better in the area of resilience. Raise your hand if that's you. Yes, hands all over the place. I'm raising my hand. I, I, have, I have not mastered this. Thank you, Lord, I pray, God, for our church family that were honest enough to raise their hand and say, Yes, there's areas in my life, Lord, that I've, uh, I've, I've allowed. Uh, Things to get in the way that make me weary, they drain my batteries, my spiritual batteries, trying to control or my insecurities or not controlling my thoughts and my emotions. Well, it's just it's just like it's a vehicle out of control. And Lord, we ask that you would just bring us back, align us back by your Holy Spirit, and Lord, like we showed that picture about six months ago like of the train, Lord, that we are connected to you. We are being led by you. And I pray, God, that you would do that. Fill us with your Holy Spirit, because, Lord, it's not about gritting teeth and tightening belts and clenching fists to be resilient. No, it's trusting in you. It is taking your yoke And allowing Jesus to teach us, the perfect teacher, Lord, we just submit ourselves. Lord, I pray right now in the name of Jesus, Lord, if there's a family here that's consistently uh, arguing right before church, Lord, I pray, God, that it would soon come to an end. Because we know that if we're sowing that kind of seed, the fruit of that, but we're going to do it because we want to walk in obedience. Lord, if we have someone here that's just emotionally just uncontrollable, Lord, I pray, God, in the name of Jesus, the Lord, that we would submit our emotions to you. Lord, anyone who's worrying to the point, Father, that they, they're being overwhelmed, overwhelmed by worry, I pray, God, that you would just help them to release that yoke, take on the yoke of Christ. Thank you, Jesus. Again, Matthew 11, take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. Lord, I pray God that we would be the most restful people. And Lord, that it would would create a buzz in our communities because people won't, don't have rest and they want our rest and we can point them to you. Thank you, Jesus. Help us to be resilient. In Jesus' name. Let's stand. We're going to sing the song as we finish. I pray that you... We want to thank you for listening. We pray that you were blessed and encouraged. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to this podcast and listen whenever you like. To find out more about Mosaic Church, please visit www.mosaicchurchtlh.com.